You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> Welcoming everyone. This is how we do it. We do it with laughter. This, we bring it in because that's what this is about. It's inspiration. It's passion. We were talking about creativity. We were talking about what inspires you, keeps you going, even through the muck, right? They say that the lotus flower grows out of mud, and that's what we're going to talk about. I see nothing but beautiful lotus flowers before me, and there's some mud in our paths, all of us. And so I'd like to talk about that and what inspiration, passion, and uh, keep it goingness means to y'all. Y'all are all incredibly inspiring to me at a deep, deep level. So I just wanted to, first of all, welcome you and thank you for your time and hanging out here. This is going to be awesome. I'm absolutely pumped for this. So uh, let's let's go around the room, uh, introduce some folks. If you don't mind, um, I was raised this way. So Serena Faith Masterson, if you don't mind, how are you? I'm good. Are we going with the eldest first? <laughs> uh, no, ma'am. We are going with the, I was raised to call you ma'am and to call on you to go first, please. All right. So I have written a, a memoir about my journey of integration and healing. And what makes me make it through the mud is breath, is this infinite trust with this wisdom, this compassion, this higher consciousness that I am. You know, it's a moment to moment experience of staying in this now, feeling it, looking at it, being with it. Even when it's uncomfortable and it's difficult, I stay present as best I can. I continue to surrender and allow what is. Because, you know, I used to believe my mind that said, okay, this is how it's going to be and this is the way it should be. And if you do this, you're going to feel safe and you're going to feel good. Well, I discovered that that wasn't true. And so now, even when it's difficult, I take a breath and I'm honest with myself. Wow, this is really a bugger. Mm. And... I say to this essence that I am, fill me with the courage to keep showing up, the compassion, 
the wisdom, guide my every step. Because living on this planet is not a piece of cake. It really is not. It's challenging. And especially in the last two years since COVID happened, it's been a very different experience. And if I didn't have this connection to my core, to the essence of who I truly am, I would feel lost. Yesterday, I spoke at a business luncheon and I'm always just me, you know, which is really a gift. I don't have to be on and be a certain way or pretend I'm feeling great when I'm not. And there were probably 60 people in the room and it was a different atmosphere than this kind of experience where we all come together and we are like-minded. And I noticed when I was done that only about five people came up and spoke to me afterward. And I had to be still with that. And I realized what I talk about scares people, you know, it's like, can you be real? Can you sit in the presence of your discomfort, your pain, and allow it to move with your breath? And that's a big challenge for people. And I know that. Your your story, even from the like high vibe, uh, we're all one unity consciousness. Hitler went to heaven and we're okay with it because there's no hell. Like even from that perspective, I'm sitting here going, <laughs> oh my gosh, what you went through. There's just stuff. There are still things, you know, that remind us, I suppose, that uh, we're, we're very human and we're here to have that very visceral experience. And it's through stories like yours that are not only heartbreaking, but the reason they're so inspiring is because they're so damn heartbreaking. So it's this uh, direct launch in proportion to how screwed up everything was. You know what I mean? As a far of a recoil yeah. goes. Louisa. Well, I spoke about you yesterday. I said, well, there's this young man that I know and he, I told him about the training I went through and he said, oh no, 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 no. It's not training. It's torture. And I, I had to laugh when you said that to me, when we did our interview, you know, <laughs> that young guy, that kid, you know, he was from an older perspective. Well, it's you're so the funny age too. of my kids, you know. So. <laughs> well, because it's still, it still matters. You know, we still get it. We still give a shit. You know, that's what, that's what it is. Is I look at you and I'm like, oh, you know, we there because there is a better way. And it, it is. Yeah. And even again, from the higher perspectives and the higher understandings, it, it shows the chink in the armor that there's still humanity there. You know, I guess that that shows it. I mean, there's still things here that we have a passion to change and that we we have a mission to. And it's stories like yours again, where I, especially for my younger man self, what was that? Almost a year, a little over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's also nice about having this show because you can go back and I just leave my journey out there for everyone to check out. And I was like, what, what was I saying back then? But you learn and you grow. And so, yes, yeah. it is still something I think about, to be honest with you. When I talk about the heavy episodes, you're, you're that. And it has to do with uh, weight of a uh, burden on heart. Uh, Louisa Firethorn, uh, I'm going to yeah. show your product off here or your uh, creation rather apologies um, oh, while sure. you're talking about it. Cause I don't think Serena's seen it yet. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> Boom. Check this thing out, dude. Oh my God. That's so cool. Well, that's cool. You can do screen share. Isn't that great? Um, what a great time to be alive. <laughs> and this cool. So she built this damn thing. Uh, Louisa, tell us about it, please. Okay, so um, the Sonosphere is a vibroacoustic therapy device. It's basically sound therapeutics, and I've I've done a lot of research in you know what's out there in terms of sound therapy, and um, 
and sound healing, although I really try to stay away from the word sound healing. Um, this is undoubtedly therapeutic in like 10 different ways, but the main functionality that we're using is that we have these 10 haptic transducers and under the platform that you're laying on and they are uh, tuned custom to your body. Um, and we're looking for resonance modes that uh, where resonance arises on the sonosphere from having you on there. So everybody's session is unique and there's a certain chord, a certain set of frequencies that um, will create resonance modes and overtone harmonics on the sonosphere when we use the transducers. And then on top of that, we layer an ambisonic sound system, which is um, ambisonic is surround sound plus um, the Z uh, axis, which is above and below you. Um, so it's a true sphere of sound and you're in the middle. And um, what I'm working on right now, actually at this desk is um, working on lighting uh, for the sphere that's the, you'll see like the copper sphere that's spinning around everything when you're in there. Um, so that has a couple different functions. It has a grounding function for static electricity. It is a waveguide that helps like cinch the sound shape harder into a sphere. Um, it helps cut off reflecting waves. And um, the final, like the final boss transformation of the copper wow. sphere is, is that I'm adding lights to the inside curvature so that when you're in there and it's spinning, uh, the, the LEDs are going to be making a sphere of light around you too. And these are smart lights that are, um, like controlled with this app. And I have like 50 different color modes that are sound sensitive. And so I'm really excited about this because I've been waiting to, to add this for a long time. So we're going to be able to add like color, um, color light therapy kind of to, to the session and to customize even further, um, the session for each person. So we're, and then on top of those like functions, we have created an immersive sound space here. Mm -hmm. So we have like made a darkened room that's kind of like sensory deprivation and we put up galaxy wallpaper on the entire space, painted the floor black, and we do projected um, galaxy stars are moving. Um, so it's a very like relaxing environment and we do sessions like for an hour to an hour and a half. Um, and we also do targeted healing sessions where we can actually target certain organs with resonance. And uh, when we target organs with the vibrational resonance, we can basically loosen up that organ. If it's, if it's hardened or you've got blockages, um, one thing that has been studied and proven over and over again is that vibroacoustic therapy improves circulation, but it's never been able to be targeted with low frequency vibrations. And so that's what we've created. I've created the sonosphere to be able to use those low frequency vibrations to create standing waves and, and move the anti-nodes around so that they can target certain areas of the body. And, um, and those anti-nodes are what is doing the work of like pushing the meat around inside of you 
And that is what feels amazing when it's happening. It's a really cool feeling Mm -hmm. and it's hard to explain. Um, but it's kind of like getting your insides massaged by sound waves and, um, nobody's done it this, this powerful before, because this is, this was extremely cost preventative and like time preventative. Like it was really hard to figure out how to resonate a whole person in a meaningful way. And, but you know, we did it. (laughs) So, um, Something I've been meaning to ask you, do you do clockwise and counterclockwise on the rotation? Does that have an effect or have you, does that alter anything? No, I mean, I have it going uh, clockwise or wait, I'm just going anti-clockwise. Yeah, I I think it goes anti-clockwise or something. And I I have had some new agers tell me that I have to make it go either way. Um, But ultimately, I don't think it matters um, unless I was going to be doing some kind of magnetic field thing with it. Yeah. Like if you um, stack one and put like one going one way, one going the other, crank it up, time travel, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's time travel, Louisa. Thank All right. In our yeah. time. I absolutely yeah. love it. I absolutely love it. It's one of the most fascinating things in your story. I mean, all the ways to find y'all is going to be linked below, but your story is fascinating as well. Just these are just all different kind of humans that we have here, you know, different kind of people. And that's the thing is it takes a lot of inspiration and passion to create this. And so we're going to come back to that. Uh, Wally, good to see you, man. Ditto. Glad to be here. How's life treating you? Life is good. No complaints. Yeah. Well, again, I just wanted to compliment you on your work that you sent uh, within Grasp, of course. And again, all the ways uh, to find you linked below. Serena, your book, of course, I am Serena. I've got this stack of books here from friends. And this is, again, the coolest life I can imagine. Because people just send me this stuff. And they're like, hey, here's this uh, amazing book that I did. It's full color. It talks about giants and crop circles and shit. No big deal. Uh, But it's absolutely fascinating. So good to see you, sir. Glad to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about you, man. What's your passion? It's my turn. (laughs) I believe Serena and I are about the same age. I was born in 56. 55. 55. Yeah, I read that. Um. I'm in Virginia, in between Roanoke and Lynchburg. Um, I guess my journey started by seeing a, a, a craft over my head, what we now call the white tic-tac, literally over my head in, in 2016. And uh, as a result of that, um, I got to meet some interesting people, including uh, Michael Carter, Reverend Michael Carter, and uh, a bunch of other people. And as time has gone on since 2016, I have realized that uh, I no no longer am in the gate with with my brothers and sisters who are are basically stout Christians. Um, I have left the gates of Western Christianity and have gone outside, and I'm on a path. And... My path has been very enlightening. I have found many, many new truths. Uh, I will not be going back inside those gates, by the way. And um, Serena mentioned that, that this this earth that we're on is, is quite challenging. And uh, I did an interview with Barry Downing, who was the first preacher uh, to declare that there were UFOs in the Bible. And he made a comment that this earth is a terrible testing place 
And I totally agree with that. Um, there's lots of choices we can make. There's lots of options. But I've come to find out that the purpose that I am here is soul development and to learn to love. Learn to love everybody. Love is what permeates the universe. Mm -hmm. And when I've stepped outside this gate, it's been such an awakening because I've really, like Serena has said, I, I've really learned about myself, who I am, what I'm doing, what I need to be doing, and and, and really my, my purpose for being here. And so much of this, I hate to use the word stuff, but so much of this enlightenment that has come to me is, you know, is just not taught in church or Sunday school. And the Bible no longer had answers for me. So, um, you know, I'm, I want to be careful what I say, because I have so many friends that, you know, that, that uh, can even challenge what I say. Uh, they, it, as you mentioned, uh, it, it maybe scares them a little bit. They're not ready to accept uh, uh, some of the things I've say, I've said and have written about. But I tell you, we are spiritual beings. And we have a calling, each of us. Each of us are our own person, but we are here to develop our inner selves, our soul. And that's what that's really what I'm into now. As I continue to go down this path, I realize, you know, I've I've made some mistakes, but I've learned from them. And that and that's that's a good point. That uh, I don't go backwards, always go forwards. And I don't live in the past, always live looking forward. And that that's one of my mantras now. And I haven't seen the end of the path. Um I'm still learning as I go. And as I mentioned to Brandon, sometimes I even get answers before I have the questions <laughs> to to attach them to. Oh, yeah. But uh, I'm, I, I, I'm just really into our conversation tonight because this stuff really resonates with me. And it, it, I, I'm kind of a newbie, uh, uh, but, but I'm really enjoying it. And I feel so much more at ease with myself and with life now than I did before. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways. 100%. One of the best mantras uh, ever is, um, I choose the happiness of this moment over the pain of the past. And that's one of the best things to get you rooted in that now moment. It's because as, you know, I've made the, I guess, analogy before that, you know, um, I'm, it's like standing next to having someone with depression or anything like that. Because depression is, I've heard it stated that depression is, uh, focused on the past anxiety is thinking too much about the future or over consumed about the future too much is subjective, but it's like, you're standing next to a friend that's depressed and you're just like, can we, can we move forward? Like, look at all the beautiful rainbows in front of us. And they keep turning around going, yeah, but my dad did this or yeah, but I should have said this to that chick back there. Maybe we'd be happy and together and I wouldn't be unhappy. And it's like, they're constantly looking back. I'm like, guy, like right here in front that of us. That just you know, pulls you moment. down. It pulls you down. Exactly. I don't want to be pulled down. Exactly. But, it's the happiness can I of say this something? Moment. Can I say something? In resisting the depression, it stays. What if instead of resisting it, you sit with it and you let it come up as big as it needs to come up and you stay in your core breathing? It 
will dissipate, it will integrate. That's why I am where I'm at today. I was severely depressed. I had PTSD. I mean, doing positive thinking only goes this far. If you've got depression and it's in the way of your life, if you've got these issues, it's by stopping and taking that moment or those moments or those days, however long, and being with you from a place of compassion. That's why, you know, I, I'm so passionate about it because I invite people, can you take the time to be with you, to not push your pain away, your trauma away? Then you can genuinely be in this moment without struggle. Sorry, I had to say it. What? Do you have to? <laughs> please, it's open forum. I love this. And this is, a, of course, that statement assumes that you've heard all the other conversations we've had about revisiting that five-year-old version of you that felt unworthy and talking it through. And the quantum physics, I believe, Wally, we talked about this when you and I had the, and it's all lined up, you know, that spooky action at a distance. You can tie so much science, science into just speaking with that younger version of yourself or that unhealed version of yourself as a metaphor, even literally going back and seeing the little dinosaur bed sheets that you had, little posters on the wall and sitting there with yourself and saying, hey, it's okay and bring them to your now current understanding. Look, look how beautiful this place is. And that's where absolutely, and I'm grateful you brought it up, Serena. Gotta, gotta say it. Uh, John Paul Rice, man, it's good to see you. What's, <laughs> what's that necklace, dude? It looks cool. I keep looking at it. So this is um, Organite that... Jay Parker, a satanic ritual abuse survivor, made for me in, I think it was 2018. Wow. And um, yeah, he, uh, he put all the gemstones, the earth stones in there. It's, uh, you know, aluminum, copper, brass. And uh, I wear it here almost all the time. The first time I put it on, it actually caused me to be kind of a little dizzy. Because I think it was uh, the magnetic field <laughs> that it was activating, but I I wear it. Uh, he has a website called Center Path Radio. He is donation based only. He's he is disabled. He lives in Philadelphia. His uh, family grew up in Delaware in Arden, next to the Bidens. Um, the his story is amazing. Like he shouldn't be here. Um, he was hung upside down, I think, when he was a child and electrocuted with a car battery for 18 hours straight by his mother and father, who made him cry out to God for help so that he proved that God didn't exist. Yep. Um, anyway, this is what that means is for him and what he is, is a child of God who renounced all of it when he was seven years old in their faces. And they knew spirit was speaking through him and they were all frightened to death because they know that voice. Um, my story where this comes in is I was in Hollywood for 20 years. I was an actor and I became a producer. I worked in the financial industry for the one tenth of 1% uh, at a bank of the stars. Um, I don't know how my life has unfolded because I don't really, I don't have a college degree. Uh, between the ages of 17 and 21, I made four and a half million dollars for my father and his company. Um, 
my whole life has kind of been lived in reverse. I think probably like most people who have some kind of uh, come to Jesus or awakening moment of crisis. Um, I've been studying my childhood for over 20 years. Um, I don't need to get into that story right now, but uh, it brought me to understand the truth behind what I would, what we define as mental health or mental illness through diagnosis, actually the same phenomena occurring in every single person on a distributive scale from, let's just say, narcissistic behaviors being the symptom expressed of the withdrawal of care in the moment of the child's need. And it's where the child learns that love is pain and it associates pain with that feeling of the child's projection because it's pure joy, it's pure love. Um, And the foundation for all things, like what I want to do is I'm working with Ronald Bernard on a new financial system where it's backed by gold and silver. It's called the URA and it's the United People Foundation. be of joy. It is going to be in 240 countries with a payment system service, and it's going to have a marketplace of ideas where the shareholders of the bank can vote on best ideas that they want to fund a portion of their shares to uh, a business that, let's say, creates structured water or creates sound therapy healing. Um, It's going to be international, and it's going to have millions of bank Uh, customers and it will be able to be traded at no value lost because there's no interest involved um go to country to country without losing any money on the value chain of the ura um i've recently met louisa because i'm interested in healing sound Uh, i'm working with a husband and wife in the acoustic psychedelic acoustic world of music psychedelic art which actually can as Luisa probably knows stimulates uh, deeper meditative states in the body and mind and can heal uh, without doing drugs so it's sort of like a maybe a synthesized way if you will but they um, their husband and wife couple they got an entire library of intellectual property and they want to start an organization that funds new artists in this space and um uses the sales of their artwork to fund the organization and bring around bring tools to new artists in this space to create sound healing in a virtual world where you can go in and do meditation you can do events uh you can have artwork galleries this sort of thing and more uh so that's it um i mean there's more but that's kind of what i'm doing now it's amazing Absolutely amazing. And again, how it dovetails with see and then the five tribe, see how it all click, 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 click. It, it's fascinating with this. And so, of course, it all makes sense. Mark Gober, dude, good to see you. Brandon, thanks so much for having me, especially with this group. There's so many important topics discussed already. And I've been taking notes on, on things that I want to bring up. So for those of you who don't know me and my background, I'll just go through that quickly. And then I'll let you know where I am currently in terms of my headspace and the big questions that I have which I think are very relevant to this group. Um, I have a very mainstream background. I graduated from Princeton in 2008, went into investment banking. So I was in New York during the financial crisis. I did not have a spiritual orientation. 
if anything, I was an atheist or agnostic. I thought there was no such thing as a soul or any spiritual dimension. I thought that was all superstition that we had transcended as society. So I was very much in that space. Um, I left investment banking in 2010 and joined a firm where I spent 10 years and became a partner, a Silicon Valley based firm advising companies with um, technology. So that's where I come from. I had a dramatic shift in 2016, uh, initially listening to podcasts and then reading a lot of science, um, which challenged my previously nihilistic worldview. And I realized that I was wrong in terms of the way I looked at life and that we are inherently spiritual beings. There's a lot of scientific evidence and anecdotal evidence for that. So I've been on a journey since then. I ended up actually leaving my firm at the end of 2019 because I wanted to pursue this stuff full time. But long story short, I've now written five books which wow. span the topics of uh, the brain and consciousness, life after death, reincarnation, spiritual awakening, political and economic theory, UFOs, the Great Reset, and uh, generally trying to reconcile dark light, good evil. Um, my book, An End to Upside Down Contact, which is the fourth book that came out um, last summer, that book mentions John, um, Ronald Bernard, I quote Jay Parker, I mentioned Serena and your story, Serena. So I'm very aware of that, of those sorts of phenomena, mind control, ritual abuse, and, and very dark things. And I'm, I am still struggling to reconcile dark and light and how it all fits together, even though I might be able to recite things to you intellectually based on what I've heard, I cannot reconcile it. Um, I'm also really, I think the core of what's driven me since I started in 2016 was trying to understand what am I doing here? What is this place and who am I really? Because I think the answers to those questions inform what we do in life. And I'm more confused than ever, I think, with regard to those fundamental questions and therefore more confused than ever in terms of what I should be doing in my life. And I always feel this way after a book comes out. My most recent book on The Great Reset came out a few months ago, and I just i am not sure what I want to do next. And one more thing that I'm, I'm really struggling with to reconcile is when I was studying spiritual awakening and just spiritual phenomena, psychic abilities and things like that in general, that was my early exploration. There were a lot of teachings and teacher teachers who I really respected. And then with everything with COVID that happened, I felt like many of those people were unable to see through the deception for some reason. And it really confuses me because I'm wondering, are, are their teachings now invalid or are they, do they just have certain blind spots in other areas? And maybe they are very um, adept in certain areas. So that is something that I'm constantly struggling with because I feel like our society is uh, bifurcated in terms of people who see through the deception and those who don't. And another thing that comes with that is a struggle with uh, being able to relate to people because I, I feel like the, the more one goes down the rabbit hole, the more difficult it can be to relate to people, especially coming from my networks of, of those who are just totally mainstream. I'm, I'm, getting further and further away from that. So I struggle to be able to relate. Mark, can I just say to you, you got, you and I have to talk privately because there's so many things I can talk to you about and share with you because like yesterday when I went to this luncheon and I was the main speaker and I left and I was like, you know, I just really don't enjoy socializing. 
because I don't like talking inane subjects. I like genuine people. But I would really love to talk to you about some of these questions that you have from a place of sharing my experience and letting you feel my discovery. Does that make sense? Because I've lived the darkest dark. I've lived it. I not only saw it and um, experienced it from a place of stepping back, but I was a participant in it. And so I had to come home to me from a place of compassion. You see, I thought that I was bad and there is no judgment from this realm of compassion of higher consciousness. I know because I'm living experience. I'm it. I've lived it all. I've done it all. I don't say that lightly. I have done everything in the in the realm of darkness. I was reared in a satanic cult and MK Ultra from the time I was three days old. They both started training me. I was forced to participate. I did what I had to to survive, to stay sane. And believe me, when I began to unravel all that I had been a part of, the judgment, the self-hatred was huge. So when you were sharing just now, my heart was just flooding with love and compassion for you because I know, you know, I know the journey. It's not an easy journey to come out of mainstream and unconsciousness and all of a sudden you're like, I don't fit. Wow. So I'd love to talk to you privately sometime. Serena, I really appreciate that. I have one question for you, though, which I think will be valuable for the discussion. If I were to ask you a very big question, what would be your short answer to the following? What should we do in our lives? Connect to your authentic self, period. Not the bullshit of this. We are not this. We are the spiritual being having a human experience. I know that today. I used to hear it and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm soul. I am this soul person. But now I know it. I know it like I know I've got brown eyes and that I'm 68 years old. I know it so deeply within me that it, in the darkest and hardest of times, I just breathe. You know, the other day for about four days, I was working with memory and I've always hated the thought of being an astronaut out in space, tethered with a small thing. It was like terrifying to me. And I kept sitting with this energy of, oh my God, I think I'll die. I'm so disconnected. Now, this was purposeful training for me. They told me that if I shared the secrets, I would be dead and alive at the same time. And of course, this was training with drugs and everything else. And I had to sit with this uncomfortable experience and breathe, knowing that the wisdom of me would bring it home for healing. And all I had to do was sit with it and breathe. 
So that's my answer. Connect to the authentic self, the one that said, hello, Mark. Hello, Mark, in 2016, and that you turned around. What is it with 2016? Because that connects with me too. Yeah. And I'm also a bank manager in the past. That So there's three bank bankers on here. And I, I work for that's... a bank now. I oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, John's Serena, rewriting the whole game. I love it. Yeah. I, I just quickly want to respond to that beautiful response, Serena. Um, I have written things along those lines. And part of me feels it but it's not a hundred percent of me that feels the embodiment of what you say so i can intellectualize what you're talking about but there feels it's not a full sensation that's why i'd like to talk to you to help you to connect with the part of you that doesn't believe for it's an aspect of you you see there's the wisdom the truth of you that knows the truth but then there's these pieces of you that go this is a bunch of bullshit how can you even think that? And so I'm. if you want, we can talk and I'll help you to start to connect with those parts so they don't have to stay outside of your wisdom. Thank you. Okay. Connection email. I, I totally sent. agree. I totally agree with what Serena just said. For, you know, for, for me, I was in international sales for nine and a half years and you're talking about facades. You never really connected with anybody. It was all all a, a a bubble that 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 put up an impermeable you know barrier to really know who you're talking to to do sales it's it, and it, it's like the longer you're faced with that it's almost the longer you have to put that behind you it takes it takes a while to realize that that's all useless minutia connect with your inner self and and some somewhere each of us has had that little spark to get us started and and follow that spark don't 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 deny it it will take you to new truths and a deeper understanding of of who you are and what our purpose is here on this planet i mean that's that's my take so we have the passion and we have it in several forms. And thank you all for, for communicating this with us. It's breath, it's curiosity, it's craft, it's people, it's heart, it's calling. And this is what makes up the passion. Now, inevitably, we get to a point with this and it's usually early on, but I mean, several down the line that I've experienced. So I just want to talk to you all about resistance. I've heard it described as though uh, compared to taboo. So taboos are like barriers to knowledge. I had a a guest on named Jenny Rivers and what she said about the forest being that the thickets and the nettles and the fleas and the ticks and stuff are on the outside of the forest. It's in the middle where the magic is, but you must get through what we would then metaphorically refer to as resistance in our own lives. You got to get through that because it's a barrier. It's it's supposed to be tough. You know, it's not supposed to be it's for everyone, but not everyone will will choose to do it. So this resistance that pops up, and um, I, I know anyone in a creative field has absolutely experienced this, and it just it absolutely shows you every reason in the world to turn around. So I would like to talk about uh, resistance as a concept, and then also give some useful advice of how you guys uh, overcame resistance to keep moving forward. I think that's a very important part of this story. So uh, Louisa, you built this amazing thing. 
uh, this must have been just easy. You just throw all the parts together and it was just a breeze all the way through it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was very aware from the beginning that there was like, that I was like set up to do this. I come from a manufacturing family. I'm, I have like people around me who believe in me. I was, I was given a good, a good base, good family base start. Like I would have had to have had that to like go to this level. I could, I couldn't even imagine doing it if I had had um, more than, than what I had. Um, and I would say like, there was definitely dark periods. Um, like one where I was living in my car, just got out of a terrible relationship and was like, you know, feeling suicidal and just unsure of what to do. And, um, I did what most people do. I just went home to my family and my mom said, you should go back to whatever you were doing the last time you felt joy, the last time you felt curiosity, the last time you felt hope and curiosity. And um, I had I had quit my degree in physics. I already had a Bachelor of Arts, but I had quit my degree in physics to go to Seattle and party and all this stuff. And it just kind of fell apart. And so I, I went back to physics. And it was in 2016, actually, you guys are all talking about <laughs> Um, I was getting my working on my degree in physics and I met after just giving up every everything all my expectations for life just unsure of any any direction at all and I met uh, my husband Rowan in the science department and I just realized after I met him why none of my relationships had ever worked out before because I am a true nerd scientist and I just needed a scientist I just needed another person who had the kind of brain that I do and it was not going to be found in like a party scene. And it was like, get out of that, <clears throat> put myself somewhere where there's like-minded people around me. Um, and that's kind of been my tactic. If I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling dark, it's, it's my soul's way of saying, Hey, you're not where you're supposed to be. You're not, you're not in the right place. You're not, something's not lined up. And so when that happens, my tactic is to find people who are on fire and then align with those people um, through connection, through, through collaboration or just through observation to get inspired. Um, but I always, I always search for the guides. I search for the mentors and the people that have been doing it longer and try to figure out, you know, what I can learn and how I can increase my skills through those connections and ugh, I've gone through that cycle like probably 10 different times um every time I'm going to grow or scale my business or change you know some aspect of my career it's always required internal changes that realigned me with the right tribe of people and the right just the right connections and it usually requires me doing something that is terrifying yeah. To get to get to there. Yeah. And it's something that is like completely not my wheelhouse and makes me feel panic. And I gotta do it anyway because I know that if I don't, that's not the right path. I just have to listen to my heart no matter what. But the heart sometimes tells you to do difficult things that are hard but feel good to be done because you know it's the right thing. And um yeah. 
so and i'm in i'm in, in it again now like going through this massive transformation of like changing from a creator to a reporter of like okay now i've spent 20 years working on this project now i'm going to report and share what i've found what i've learned and in the process i'm i now need to learn more <laughs> so um yeah that's that's been my that's been my personal cycle approach to the darkness um and yeah just to be completely honest i also have struggled with addiction um a lot in my life and that is a common that's a theme that comes up a lot every time uh my life gets into that realm so i got like an extra boss to battle um yeah every time so um but you know i just feel so dedicated to this project and i'm my husband is also completely dedicated to it so i feel like this is what i'm going to do till i die and i've i have that figured out now so i'm like i can rest in that knowing uh, but i still don't know anything about how this is going to go and it's totally been weird so far um yeah but like reaching out you know re meeting you brandon and everyone that you've introduced me to uh that was all me getting on TikTok. And I was so afraid to get on TikTok because of what everyone says about it and says, tells you to be afraid and stuff. And I, my sisters were saying, oh, somebody's going to steal your idea. You shouldn't put it on there. Um, you shouldn't tell anyone about it, actually. Just hide it. Um, so I was like in that mentality for a while. Um, but I just overcame that. I had this little voice inside me that was like, don't be afraid. It's time to show what you did just let it, let it do it and so i did it and i that little voice was right i started making meeting the the contacts that i meant to, to meet and since then it's been feeling like i'm in a movie and there's definitely you know slow periods and times when you don't know what the heck is going on but <laughs> when those times happen i've just been trying to be like okay let's play a game or like go do something else or stop thinking about it give it a rest you know so i just that's what that's why i've been trying to give it space well we're glad you did yeah incredible. incredible thank you thank you man it's remarkable absolutely remarkable so resistance what's that looked like to you mark hmm well, the first thing that comes up is that um, after my first two books, um, which were about just spirituality in general, and this was in 2020, and I started to recognize the darker side and the deception that I felt like many people were not seeing through, I felt like I needed to talk about that to make my books more well-rounded. I felt like I hadn't done enough on those topics. But there was resistance there because I knew that I would probably cannibalize my initial audience, that many of those people probably wouldn't like what I was talking about. And then also just the potential dangers of talking about topics that are dangerous to talk about. So it's something I've had to deal with, and I'm sure all of us have had to deal with that to some degree here, and probably many members of the audience. How much do we want to actually talk about? 
So maybe I can talk about just briefly the way I've dealt with that. And I'm, I'm still continuing to think about it. But number one, I give myself time with regards to these topics rather than rushing. I allow myself to just sit with it. And as I sit with it, I also refine my perspectives. But usually what happens is that in the end, I decide that trying to uncover the truth is more important than anything else. That's where I land to uncover the truth and share it in a grounded way with evidence and, and not to necessarily say something with 100% confidence if I can't, but to present it, if it feels like it's important. And that seems to override the resistance. And I think this goes back to what Serena was talking about in terms of embodying who we are and why we're here. Because if I think, I think if the embodiment is fully there, then the resistance isn't there. The resistance I have is because of a lack of embodiment and st still some old conditioning that I probably haven't worked through. So that the old conditioning comes up and it overrides the authenticity. But in the end, I think the auth authenticity seems to come through. It definitely does. And this is why the running towards what scares you, that that type of mindset is what you all share. And that's what's so beautiful about this. You can unleash that inner I'm just this much more passionate about this thing. I'm just this much more curious than scared. I have this much more heart than fear. And it's yes. all this, that just that tick more that is set in y'all that's absolutely beautiful. Wally, what's resistance look like to you, brother? Oh, my deep breath. <laughs> resistance is all of my friends still living what in a world where they perceive their own truths and those truths are no longer my truths and so i constantly get bombarded with with comments and attempts to quell where i am going <laughs> and um one of the things I have learned, which is the truth for me, and I know uh, uh, you will relate to this, Brandon, because you use the word reality and expanding reality, but I'm a firm believer that we make our own realities. And I have learned slowly, albeit very slowly, that it's a mind game, at least with me, I can sit down and focus on what has been and put all that behind me and forget about it, put it in a file cabinet, shut the door and focus going forward. Now that did not come, that did not come overnight. That has taken a lot of, a lot of practice, especially in the last two years. And I'm, I'm still, you know, adept and adept at it. I, I, I've realized, like like Louisa has said, that for me, I kind of have a goal now, and that's to pull all of my friends and everybody who has fallen into this religion that 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 the God of the Old Testament is is what you know, is what reality is. And, and, and 
especially from a Christian or a, a standpoint, and they're missing the real truths. So I think where I'm heading for the rest of my life is is some way somehow to maybe write a third book and gently, lovingly nudge them uh, if I could get them to read it, uh, at least <laughs> at least close to the gate where they see that the gate has hinges where they can step outside. And once they step outside, they will realize uh, truth in spades that they have not realized before. And I, I, I guess the challenge for me is how do I do that without offending anybody? Because that's the last thing I want to do. You're going to know. Ooh. You're going to know because you're the gatekeeper of that transformation. And so that's your divine charge. So you, when you go to do it, you will know how to do it because that's your gift. That's the gift that you're giving. Hmm. Well, I want to so chime in. I want to chime in here as well, Wally, because I've gone through something similar in, in terms of being worried about offending people. And I have offended people with some of my work. And ultimately, the decision I had to make was that it was ultimately worth it, that if people are offended by it, it's really that's an internal process that they're going through. And if you have something that's very important to share, then it will reach the right people and certain people will not resonate with it. And that's part of the process. I was always taught in sales that if you were offended or you had your feelings hurt, that was a choice that you made. So the question is, why did you allow your feelings to be hurt? Or why did you want to be offended? Yeah, suffering is a choice, as Buddha says, right? Yep. I'm, I'm reminded of a quote here. It's uh, Da Vinci that there are three classes of people, those who see, those who see <clears throat> when shown, and those who do not see. Mm -hmm. So it, it's almost like there's a built-in resistance here. It seems like that just with that observation, which I think we could all agree with just in our own observations, is that there seems to be, you know, let's say that we can see, for instance, and we can also convey a message that we're very passionate about doing so through our stories because we can see, and we're very passionate about being able to show those who can see as well once they're shown. And so we're very passionate about making sure that we show the hell out of it and that we're very attractive in that message so that it's shown in the right way. But again, that that third component is it seems to be, you know, it's last there, those who don't see, but it seems like there's a high percentage of those around. Now, I, I don't know if that's just the fog of it all. And this is just assumption at that point. But again, this idea that uh, it's kind of built in, Mark, to what you're saying, Wally, to what you're saying, it's you just do you, you know, that's it. You do you, boo boo. And then everything else falls in line. That's that's yeah. the best way to go. And you do set that parameter. Louisa, I'm glad you said that. John? Can I, yeah, I just wanted to add something about it. it came to me when you were, all, all of this was being discussed. Those three people, it, while it is true that you could separate yourself, you are also all three of those people at the same time. And what that is, is that it's not a permanent state. There's an evolution in each one of them. And the real truth about all of it is you can't see you can't see what you don't feel is true and the feeling so for just popping into 3d covid <laughs> how can you make everybody see what's true when they f their own lived experience in the way that they understand it and are experiencing it 
makes it real because they believe it and their own understandings that preceded that. So what we're looking at is when we're dealing with like history or insertion of ideas, we're, we're treating it as though it exists in a vacuum. And the reason why we do that is because we're trained on a two dimensional thought process of either or Coke or Pepsi, red or blue. And we don't imagine other potentials that could exist outside of those two. So we, we end up being able to be triangulated by the power structure and authority put against each other because we're taking the side of the one that we can see as opposite of ours that's false according to what we see from our own point of view, but we don't realize the one that's in ourselves. And that doesn't mean we're wrong entirely, but it's not this or that or even a little of this or a little of that, it could be, it could be neither. And there could be a higher answer to that question, right? The thing that I've learned that was hardest for me is getting past duality. Yeah. And the way that you can't teach something through thought form construct, you, you, what we, what I've come to realize, and it's very frightening, and, and Serena, you are starting to encounter it, is this friction out there when you go and talk with people. Okay, on a, on a, I want to say a higher level, but on a macro level, the world has been dominated by malignant narcissists for thousands of years. And we're coming out of a cycle for which all of that narcissistic behavior has been programmed from childhood, institutionalized by culture, yes. has been shaped through psychological ritualized events of wars, plagues, great depressions, and all insertions of social and cultural norms where beauty, fashion, and makeup are all pornified. And then we have Me Too and hold up Cardi B with WAP as empowerment for women at the same time. That's duality. That's paradox. That's our own internal contradictions. So the resistance that we experience is a tool in the toolbox of our learning where we watch something pass through us and watch where it is that we resist for or against it because it's running up against that program inside and it's creating friction somewhere within us that appears to be outside of us. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's a mirror. Yes. But the problem is, is we can't see who we are just as a narcissist can't see who they are, just as a psychopath can't see who they are. They know they're effed up, but they're not that guy over there or that person over there. At least I don't kill kids. At least I don't. You, you see what I mean? It's a reductionist position that we're, we're all, everybody is in this position of not me, not me, not me, not you, not you, not me. It's not, I have no accountability and responsibility for any of that crap over there, even though we co-create it with them. Even we can, when we've been so disconnected from heart, so the resistance part of this, at least to me, is that when I find it within myself, so not talking, you know, Wallace, directly to your issue, but when you discover that they can't see what you understand, they can't, because they're thinking, they're trying to find it in the reference of their mind, 
in the thought form structure that is based upon a, oh God, it's so deep, but it's our first authority, which is mom and dad, which is God to the child. And we've been taken out of that state of play because that's childish behavior, that, but that's where imagination, creation, intuition, and all of that begin. And we've reduced it down to literal thought forms in the left hemisphere of the brain. We've overstimulated the left hemisphere of our brain, which is an analysis, data, facts, math, ideas. There is no love in that equation. And because the left hemisphere has now become overstimulated, it has become tyrannical in our society where everything is absolutes. You're a Trump supporter, no more discussion. You are this, no more discussion. You are woke, no more discussion. You are transgender, no more discussion. I already got it figured out. I see what I see. I'm calling a spade a spade and, and it's a done deal. And the truth is, is that the violence that we're gonna witness on certain aspects of our culture is going to make people very cynical. The bet of these monsters in power is all based on our narcissistic behaviors being weaponized to make ourselves feel as though there is not a human solution in this world. It needs more laws. It needs AI. It needs because AI, what it does is a psychopath's perfect, perfect weapon. It's a non-feeling entity that hands you an answer. Basically, we're in a world of whatever you want it to be now. You're going to write your own story, and it's going to be whatever you want it to be. That's where we're headed. Gender wars and all this other crap ain't going to matter. We're moving into a multi-generational war where we have psychological cults of pathology, like in the corporate state, it's mostly psychopathic, it's non-feeling, it's a pecking order of hierarchy. Right now in the corporate structures, the people that I'm talking with, everybody is fighting their mother and father inside themselves. Everyone. Every person is for themselves. Everyone is taking sides as the corporations come in and they demand, they're basically what they are, they can't change. They're demanding the same results of 20 years ago today in a world where the debt has just swelled. The banks were zombie banks in 2007, 2008, and we propped them up with fake money and fake interest rates, and here we are. There's no more growth in the old system, it's only contraction. And, and the great reset, as far as I've seen it, is everybody's going back to one. Everybody's going back to what they know, because that's all they can control. They don't have time to deal with this and that and worry about what Biden's doing or what. Yeah, I mean, this is low, lower level stuff. This is not what the show is about. But what I realize is this jive and this news and this deluge of information is all to overstimulate and look at where we are at with mental health in children exploding. I'm going to give a speech to the International Association of um, Psychohistorians and call for a I'm going to be very kind, but I'm going to call for a revolution in their industry and say psychohistorians should not be dictating what the past is. Psychohistorians should be working with quantum physicists, biological. 
in every science, psychohistorians can be predictors of future to a mathematical precision when they map all traumas to human behaviors experienced in childhood. And then we deal with the phenomena that happens outside of that. But we map 80 to 90 percent of it and we're pretty solid going. If you had this kind of mother and this kind of father in this kind of environment, if you had a narcissistic father and a cold mother who did not love you and you're a boy, you are likely to be a misogynist, a rapist, a serial killer. Not absolutely, but you're going to have tendencies towards violence because your autonomy as a child was under assault every single day and there was no love in that equation. This is what's missing from the world. There's no wisdom anymore. There's no heart which is lived experience, self-reflection, constant learning of oneself in the areas of which you can dedicate your time every day that benefit you, make you happier. Creation. And we're looking for a mechanical answer to, to solve all this problem, to make it stop. And we're acting like codependent children of alcoholic parents in the backseat of a car as mommy and daddy are blazing down the road at 115 miles an hour and we're yelling at them please 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 stop open the car door and jump out because it's gonna wreck john can i speak to what sorry. you're saying yeah yeah i'm sorry i'm just okay. going off but go ahead. um i at first i felt wow what brilliance but I also feel the spiral into the darkness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. This is not a global choice of everybody has to jump on the bandwagon. This Correct. planet is called the great experiment. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know I've been told these things. So this planet is like a playground. You come, you play on the slide, the jungle gym, you come and you play in the sandbox. You get to choose what you're going to do. Right. We are energetic beings in physical body. What we think we create. Most people are unconscious. So they create from unconsciousness and fear. It's an individual choice mm -hmm. for me with resistance every day, every moment. I notice, am I in resistance with something? If my mind starts to get focused on a thought, oh my God or my body tenses, I'm in resistance. Mm -hmm. My job is to stay in a place of allowing and surrender as the human part of this wisdom. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody is changing and awakening, but there is such a mass movement because look at all of us. Mm -hmm. There is a mass mm -hmm. movement of human beings awakening like never before. Do you know of Heaven's Cross? No. Okay, so on March 23rd of this year, the veil was removed. Now, I was a part of this veil, cracking it in 2015. So, your choice is to step out of mainstream if you want, because that's what I've had to do. So, yesterday when I spoke to these people, and I was driving home and I was in resistance because my mind said, wow, there was hardly any response to what I had shared. Hmm. There was only five people that came up and talked to me. Now that's resistance for me. Mm -hmm. So I sat with the truth of it and sensed intuitively and I got 
you scared the crap out of them. (laughs) (laughs) You see, it's your journey. You are phenomenally brilliant. You just knocked my socks off, okay? But sometimes that brilliance from intellectual brilliance can get you off track. So I'm inviting you to sort of turn down all the media because yes, if you pay attention to it, you will be overwhelmed by the darkness. I was raised by a psychopathic serial killer who killed hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm. I witnessed through the government people casually them killing children boom boom electrocuting stabbing them whatever mm-hmm. now i had to make a choice do i want to stay with that horror or do i want to see the truth you see i wanted to be born into the blackest black on our planet so that i could awaken to the truth of what our planet's about you see our planet is duality It is good or bad, right or wrong, love or fear. Mm -hmm. But we, as the ultimate being, gets to choose. Do I want to live in the fear? Do I want to live with the darkness? You see, today, I have made friends with the darkness, the shadows of me. I am no longer afraid of it. People Mm -hmm. say, aren't you afraid of talking about this stuff? Aren't you afraid the government's going to come get you? Now, do you know why I'm invisible to them? Because this light energy that I am is a vibration that they're not interested in me. They probably think I'm insane and whatever. Mm-hmm. And they tracked me for many years. And Wallace, I want to ask you one question I want you to be with is why is it so important that they realize this other realm that you have discovered why is that so important to you? It's something you need to sit with so that you can discover. You know, I have three sons. One is very angry and says the world sucks. My eldest son is caught in the throes of darkness, is very angry with me. And my middle son is choosing to open the door experience this breath, step out of the box of fear and training that he experienced. And he's experiencing this out of the realm. And I don't get to choose for any of them. But I had to look at what was the push behind it when I wanted to get them to hear me. And now I can be in the presence of my children in their states of mind, and I don't need them to be different. And it's because I sat with the resistance, the judgment within myself. And I don't want to preach, but I just, John, you're just phenomenal. Holy smokes. It's it's all heart. It's all passion. And this is this is the thing about this, right? Because th- this place is heavy. And there are so many different ways to look at this <laughs> in so many places and so many... Um, you know, and sort of the way that I've been looking at it lately is sort of what Mark was talking about earlier is about, you know, I look at this place as we're all just mapping consciousness in the way that we feel, yeah. what we see, what we interact with. And so it's the way that we do that, that is what we're sharing with each other here. And so, yes, no right or wrong. We all have yeah. ideals about the best way to go about what we're passionate about. And this is the thing. And this is a, a question actually I'd, I'd just love to dive into now. It's alchemizing the heaviness to create the beauty outside of it. because. 
you know, where John, John, where, where you are is it's heavy. It's the heaviest part of this awakening experience. And it's something that I went through with this, what we call the Paul Revere, where I just had to tell everybody, I had to wake everybody up, but I'm, I'm so passionate. I'm like, dude, you can't y'all see what's going on. And then I also share Serena's point of view. Uh, I've been graced with all of these different perspectives where I can see it's just a bigger part of the whole and that perhaps it's just all us and it's all uh, this huge thing that we perpetuate by putting energy into the system. And so I see that. So that's the question, guys, is how, you know, what, at what part of this can you stay grounded, but still see the darkness and face it with love and compassion and alchemize the heaviness into the love and compassion that will actually be of use? Because that's what we all want here, right? We want to be useful with the passion that we have. And we don't want it to go to waste on miscommunication. You know what I mean? So how do we do that? How do we alchemize it into something warm that folks can uh, receive the way that we meant to send it? Do you mind if I... Please, or, please. Um, so I use a lot of... Um, well, Brandon, you know, you've seen on my Instagram, I use a lot of uh, film clips as metaphors. Love those, yes. And one of the ones that hit me recently again was the clip from Amistad when Anthony Hopkins is sitting down with um, the the man on trial as a slave and he's he's playing the role of uh you know one of the former presidents uh, james madison and he is going to walk him through this trial and tell you i need you know i want you to know that we won't be alone and the guy says i he says through the translator i know that i will not be alone i will call upon my ancestors and they will be there with me they must come for i am the very reason that I, they are the very reason that I exist right now. And that where I've plugged my own story into that understanding is the transmutation of my childhood and going back to my father at the end of his life three years ago where I was with him. This is a man who um sexually abused me when he was drinking and um caused enormous harm and damage i relived my near-death experiences in the last couple of years uh, that showed me what that was all about and i had unconditional love for him at the end because i saw his inner child i realized this wasn't his plan a when he was a boy and I realized that that was the place that I could be at peace with understanding where my suffering and his suffering was no different in that regard. There was no free will choice there. He denied me mine, but his was denied before and so on and so forth back. Didn't make it right, but that I could put it right for him and me without saying a word. Now I could feel it in my heart and know that I did everything for that man, not because I needed to be loved by him, but because I was always loving him as a child. I was the one who could forgive him because I was the child. And there was something about that in that whole experience when he died and opened his eyes and looked right at me with clear baby blue eyes into my eyes, the depth of my eyes. You know, when the last moment 
hits and the DMT hits and they're, you know, they're going into that other world. There's like a psychedelic moment where the eyes and everything look as though they're on shrooms. And he had that with me. It was an exchange that lasted three to four minutes. And I go back to that because I realized years ago that I made a commitment that I said, this shit ends with me, that I was going to be not some badass code breaker, but I just said, even if I can't heal this entirely, I will withhold the worst of myself and use that as wisdom to give people what I have learned from it. I believe that we're here not to wake everybody up, but to share what is true in us and where that goes out into the world, into the mind and the spaces that it opens in other people. It's like your meaning, my meaning is different from your meaning. How I arrived there is different. How you arrived there. That's our story, but we're all traveling really in the same time and space in the biggest sense of the energy, the cosmic wave, right? And we're all riding that wave a different way. And we're all saying, hey, look at what I've done with this over here, what I've created over here as a result of going through that pain. That was my book of wisdom. I haven't read, but maybe 10. I mean, I'm not afraid to say this anymore. I used to be like people who say, don't say that. I have read less than 10 books in my life, truly. And I had, you know, I was in the hospital when I was seven, eight years old, wanted to kill myself. I had um, an undiagnosed bipolar disorder, but it was highly functional. And I was able, I had a high level of intelligence. Everybody saw it when I was a child. Nobody knew what to do with me. But I realized that when I went back and looked at when I made straight A's versus D's, F's and C's, all of that, it was the care according to the person who I was with, the teacher, the instructor who cared, who saw the potential in that child and didn't take its crap out on them. The ones that took their crap out on me, I failed. I did all the passive aggressive. I didn't do my homework, nothing. I'm just looking at it as simple, simple ways that care, love, real true love that is self-evident is given in the form of acts of care that can be received and experienced by that person. There is no command of word or belief or coercion or convincing that needs to be done. It is self-evident. Anyway, I just... Well, you, you nailed it with this because that's one of my favorite quotes ever. Uh, it happened in my family until it happened to me. And this seems yeah. to be a theme with folks like us. And I've been seeing this pop up a lot lately. I actually had an Akashic record uh, reading with Rachel Horton White. And this was one of the things. There was a figure that came in. Uh, I'm going to say it was from my real dad's side, his dad, who I've, I've got a handful of memories from my real dad. He bailed when I was two, right? Sperm donor guy. But uh, there's alcoholism in that entire family. And then, you know, being a musician, it was natural. You're just doing it, right? So there was like a 20-year period where I just drank every single day. And then about two and a half years, two years ago, I just stopped. I just stopped drinking. And then I have this Acacia record reading. And that was one of the things that was brought up is sort of this alcoholism and that it stopped with me and that they were super pumped about it. And I just got this feeling either way that it just didn't serve us moving forward. And I knew it in my family, right? German and Irish mix. So we just we just can drink uh, and love it. So I just knew that that needed to stop with me. But this is a great observation that you put, John, because this is one of the things that's heavy within this place is it's not only 
the response, you know, the waking up and the finding your higher selves and then finding out this place is not what they're telling you. And so that's, it's like, when can you trust? <laughs> and then now you're like, hang on. So I got family shit that I need from all the way back in ancestry. Okay. Now I'm going to be naturally drawn to that and they need to get over it. So I'm going to be drawn to it as a coping mechanism because of the shit I'm put through and then it need to get over it. It's, it's it all the way that it works. But again, it's this beautiful autonomy. It's this beautiful sovereignty that's achieved in these moments because then it's just like, I'm not this story. I'm not this place. Yes, I'm not that energy. Right. I'm the other. But again, like what you said, it's the juxtaposition. It's the experience, the depth of so that you can rise. It's that recoil as far as you can back so that you can launch as far as you can forward. It's this just exceptional quality in, in the, uh, I'm not even going to say ability to um, weather, but it's just resilience. It's, it's resilience and hard yes. and it's, it's attractive as hell. I mean, it's such a lighthouse and I'm just so grateful to know each and every damn one of y'all. You brought us together. Incredible. You created this space. So that, that is a reflection of you too. Yeah. And you guys are all so brilliant. It's amazing. I listen to you talk and I'm like, wow, you guys are so intellectual it's amazing to me I, i'm a magnet for incredible people that's my superpower and my wow. selfishness i want to bring them all together and have them all introduce each other so um okay so i absolutely wanted to get to i had another question here okay uh family you touched on it earlier uh louisa and i just kind of wanted to come back to this family uh support or resistance or both um just in general or yeah because you had mentioned that your mom and so that was an important part is that whenever things were the way that they were and you had your tower moment as they call it in tarot new episode out today check it out mm -hmm. uh then you had your mother that you were able to go to now she was supportive she of course brought you in was there any sort of uh told you so's in any of that or was it just pretty open-armed i love though that her go back to whatever joy you yeah. had she just always, when I would ask her for advice or help, she always, it would be so frustrating because she would just tell me that, um, to ask myself, basically. She's like, you gotta, you gotta ask God, you gotta ask yourself. She's like, you guys are the future. You're teaching me, you know, I don't know anything. And, and this is by the way, one of the holdovers from a very pious Christian ancestry of, you know, my grandma stopped the the christian belief system in our family which was incredibly deep um and she became gnostic christian and then my mother was able to like and and we needed to escape because in christian in the in that in my family there was like uh you know child abuse from from the, the christian punishment doctrines and like just all kinds of you know shame and so just stopping the religion was like the first step. And my mom did that or my, my grandma went Gnostic and then my mom just completely threw it out and she became a Buddhist. And though her, the, my, my charge, I feel like is to like remove the layers of shame that those religions caused in my family and the unnecessary humbleness that has stopped my very talented mother and family from like expressing their true creativity and talent because they just feel like they're not worthy. And so that's been uh, my biggest thing is like my worthiness and, and f trying to find that. And, um, you know, and I had a dad that was constantly triggering that sense of worthiness and constantly making me feel like nothing. And that was 
on purpose, I think, from the universe. Because, like, if I had been totally praised by both parents and, like, showered with attention and, like, had such a great time, I would have just been, like, a totally spoiled brat and, like, had no sense of, like, of, uh, you know, wanting to help other people. I think that's part of what made me who I am was, like, being in pain and being, um, you know, underestimated, which has always been, just gets under my skin. I've been underestimated my whole life by family and by friends and by all kinds of people. And I'm just now coming into my power and that's becoming glaringly obvious, you know, who's been supportive and who hasn't. And in my family, there was both. There was very supportive people and there was very dismissive people. And I think that we all have that. All of our families, not not every single person is going to be like on your team. And I think all that resistance that comes from people closest to you is part of what shapes you and makes you make choices. And that's part of your destiny because that karma, those people in your life that are close to you, that's your karma. They're there on purpose to shape you and, and your journey. And those dots that you can't um, avoid connecting, like it's your destiny points. Um, so every single person from my siblings to my mom and dad, they all, all their darkness and shadow and all of their gifts are part of my story and vice versa. So, yeah. Outstanding. They're, you know, you're, yeah. So you're just, you're supported in areas and then you're also kicked off the team in areas. And Which it's, is supporting. It's, up you, it's up to you to be like, who's right about me, you know, and who do I believe and who do I trust? And it's gotta be the answer to that. Every time has to be me and like that, I'll grow from there. You know, that's where I start. Perfect. Mark, what did you experience in the form of resistance support, both with family? Well, first of all, I apologize for cutting out there. My Wi-Fi went off, so I missed a little bit of what everyone was saying. But so, so this is about resistance with regard to people around us and yeah. like expressing our authenticity and maybe getting pushed back. Yeah. And then uh, some maybe surprising support or some support in the same way. Yeah. I would say generally I've had a lot of support, which has been great support in that people say, go for it, Mark, but not support in that they necessarily understand me or understand what I'm doing. And that's a yeah. challenge because, um, there's a difficulty in relating fully. We talked about this earlier, just talking about inane topics is not of interest to me. I want to be having conversations like this all the time. Yeah. And that's, a, that's difficult. But there also has been some resistance. I remember when I wrote the uh, draft of my first book, this was in 2017, and I sent it to a few friends. I had one friend in particular, very smart, very good person, who um, basically wanted to have an intervention with me and say, do not publish this, Mark. I, I, this is, I'm looking out for you. Please don't do this. And that was just about the science of consciousness, psychic phenomena, and survival of bodily death, things like that. And then... I have written more controversial topics, socio-cultural, um, you know, a lot of great reset type issues, political issues, and have gotten some similar reactions. Mark, do you really want to do this? I will not support this. I've gotten that kind of reaction. Okay. Like, I, it, I know you mean well, but I don't support what you're doing. How, how did that feel? Did it feel empowering or like a stomach punch or both? Frustrating. Because in, in all the cases, if, if the person, people 
understood where I was coming from and understood the evidence that I was presenting, then they would agree with me. That was my mindset. And what I was feeling is that they were, there was, they were missing something. Something was not clicking like their blinders. Mm-hmm. And people seem to have blinders, myself included, in different oh, well, areas. I, I have just to interrupt. I've used that word many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blinders. People like they have blinders, and and people, at least where I live, twenty minutes from Jerry Falwell's school, people want to be led. Mm-hmm. Oh, they want to be led. Yes, 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 yes. They want to be sheep. They exactly. want to fit in. Exactly. You know what? I, I think that it's both. I think that there's a lot that want to be true and authentic to themselves, but they've been just so beaten down by all the yeah. things we're talking about here. They're the ones in their ancestry that their kids will be like, it stops with me, but it could stop with them. And it's about being just these lighthouses. I think there's that's always, what I feel is just making the message. Uh, uh, there's always going to be unconscious things, you know, and um, mm-hmm. it can't all stop with us. We, we, yeah. we slowly, yeah adapt and we slowly accept conformity and none of us is exempt from that we are yeah. all creating this system it's nobody's it's nobody's individual fault or responsibility it's like that but we do have a responsibility to like examine the ways in which we have conformed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. as much as i like to say oh i'm off grid i'm 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 one step out of the system la la yeah, I am on like 50 different counts, but then there's tons of ways I still am in it. There's tons of ways I still contribute to the the nonsense, the chaos, and probably the violence, like unknowingly, unconsciously. So yeah, it can't all stop with, with you. We're not perfect, you know? But I think just like knowing what your thing is, and that's that's enough. Like you you gotta know where you're what you're headed for, what your intentions are. And help other people realize their intentions because a lot of people don't have intentions and the lack of intentions, the lack of consciousness is what we want. We're calling it being woke, you know, it's like wake up. Um, but yeah, self-awareness is the first doorway. hundred percent. I love it. John. No, I was just going to say something in response to Mark and and uh, Serena and Wallace and all, all of what we're talking about. You know, I, I thought about this and and Mark, I, I would I would really like to read your books. Um, I have more of a mind today that I can focus. <laughs> um, there is something that is unique about this time that is unlike other. It is like. But it is different than other times on as far as the mass level of let's say everything everywhere all at once at the same time yes timelines are contracting in that they're converging and i i don't i don't want to get too cosmic about this what i mean is psychological realities constructs of reality we uh, label them in classification, identification, um, purple hair, uh, trans. You see what I mean? I'm just the way it's defined by the experts in the world. You can't ignore that if you tune into the program. Then you can't help. It's like uh, if some if you see a commercial for a car and you get in your car, you're going to see that car now. 
because they've made you consciously aware of it and they've, they've defined it for you. In this time, with all the events, let's just say it, uh, COVID, and I'm not saying it's all encompassing, but the idea of the fear of suffering and dying is the core issue of that program. The fear shifted behaviors, awoken the inner defensive behaviors of each and every person to protect themselves in a survival state to the point where their family members and friends who they had no problem with the previous day before, all of a sudden were a threat of potentially causing them illness, suffering, and death. This is a psychological operation on a mass scale that most people can't conceive of. And what this has done, as you've seen, fear and threats and threats weather there's not heavy rain anymore there's harsh rain it's the choice of words it's neuro-linguistic programming it's shifting behaviors why i'm saying this is because the fear of suffering and dying is so ingrained in each and every human being when the child is ignored for which it disassociates, it has no memory of this. This is the body now on a cellular level. It retains that fear at a cellular level, not in thought, but in emotion. And when they can come, they, the controllers can come and define all of your threats and fears for you through the insertion of thought and concepts. They plug directly into our trauma and create a feeling in the heart that makes it real everywhere we see it. So in this time, what has happened is this anchoring and pressing down and crushing as many people as possible into a two-dimensional mindset of right or left, Coke or Pepsi, as I was saying earlier, but it is fear, scarcity, and ignorance that the narcissist destroys another person. So that those three elements, fear, scarcity, and ignorance, give way to authority. Authority comes in and says, I need a mommy and daddy to tell me what's true and what's false here. I need a mommy and daddy to tell me what's real and what's not real. I need a mommy and daddy to tell me who's fake and who's telling the truth, who's a conspiracy theorist, who's a threat to me. That's what this whole time has been about in terms of weaponizing narcissistic behaviors on the whole that have caused people to pull apart. So Mark, to your point about this, this you want to give them that thing that's missing. What I realized is that we're going through this ritual of information and it's important. It's like, okay, what is the meaning? What is the value? What is the real value to you? I had to ask myself this. It's like I could go down endless rabbit holes. And like you said, Serena, you could, you know, the darkness, so you don't need to go down any rabbit holes because you you're like, I don't need to read it in a book or in an article or see a video. I have the entire book. I am the book. Yes. Right. So that knowledge is you go, okay, that's how dark it can get. Now there's everything else. There's everything other than that. And Mark, what I'm not speaking just directly to you, I'm telling myself this as well, which is to be the thing that defies beliefs and falsehoods. 
because you're a Roger Bannister, you're running the four minute mile for the very first time in recorded history. And all of a sudden, everybody believes that they can do it. And they start doing it every week after that. Can I speak to what you're saying, John? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. So, no, no, don't apologize. But when you were talking about the narcissistic person and obeying and becoming a robot, okay? Mm -hmm. I was that person. I literally had no identity. Mm -hmm. I was controlled by hand signals, touch, Mm -hmm. word commands. Mm -hmm. And it was only when this woman started to say, what do you feel? You see, this is so intelligent that it can get us in a loop of almost like insanity. Mm -hmm. But if you're willing to step out of this and begin to feel authentically connect to the feeling, because I've got to tell you, I wasn't a living human being. They -hmm. could call me on the phone and say a word command and I would take, I would drive and I would, I would show up and do what they wanted. Mm -hmm. So I, like you said, I lived it. And, you know, I've had to come to a connection of what is right for me, not for anybody else. What is my inner guidance telling, not just telling me, how does it feel for me, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's been the life-saving grace for me. You know, one of my sons, he was so wise one day. He said, you know, mom, your book's not going to be a bestseller. (laughs) And I said, and why is that, son? And he says, because a lot of people aren't going to even want to read it. It's going, Mm -hmm. it's too scary. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit with that statement. I was like, yeah, that's true. Because people don't want to sit with truth. They like the idea of judgment and good and bad and right and wrong. You know, I was raised on Father Knows Best and Donna Reed and all of those. And so those parts of me, those child parts of me wanted so desperately to believe if I just do this, this will happen and I'll be happy. And I had to learn, no, it doesn't work that way. And so today, I, you know, I don't need anybody at that business luncheon to change or hear me or be different because we're all on this individual journey. I look at all six of us and we're all so profoundly unique and we all bring this flavor of brilliance to not just this conversation, but to the planet. And just imagine how many of us are on the path of awakening at different periods, different levels, but our brilliance is contributing. So I focus on the brilliance and the light of this world. There's a lot of darkness, John. Mm -hmm. And if you focus on it, you can go into it and it's not worth it because yes, there's cruelty, narcissism, there's psychopathic behavior, there's, you know, corporations and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I could go, because I know it, I've lived it, you know? So he might, John might be somebody though that is, you know, it might be part of his destiny to uh, take out some darkness. Uh, maybe right. there's a reason he's focused on it in general. 
Right. But I'm just saying, I know, I know that where you focus, it makes it bigger. It expands Mm it. Yeah. And I've known, I've been in the rat, in the, in the circle of almost insanity for me because Mm -hmm. I've been overwhelmed with the terror that this world has to offer. I've lived it. So. Yeah. Yeah, how no, I, yeah, go ahead. How I compare this is the front lines. Like you're on the front lines and you're there with your big heart and you're grabbing people and you're taking fire as you're doing it. So it's a very fear-based place where you find yourself. But man, that that you pulling people through that trench, pulling people through that wall so that Serena can comfort them with that new perspective when they can get to that point, that part of everyone's evolution. This is why this is so beautiful. Everyone's got their perspectives, their jobs to do here, their roles but you're all embracing yeah. it with such confidence and power. And that's, that's what's so beautiful. It's at every phase. And that's why, again, this is not an army. This is a tribe. We were all mm. sent here by each other to connect at this time and say, hey, here's where we found mapping consciousness. How can we all come together and what do we see? And that's mm-hmm. what this is about. And it's so beautiful to see the different phases that we can all connect with for everyone, but have these very high perspective conversations where we can take it back to our Mm-hmm. let's say disciplines of uh, area of interest of service and really focus on it from all perspectives, which is beautiful because now we can all come together and be here and say, Hey, we're all here for each other. And I love what you're doing. And this yes. is just the coolest, coolest tribe ever. Absolutely <laughs> yes. grateful. So we're probably, because I can do this forever. Uh, I I'd like to end this um, with just being passionate, being inspiring, Going through the stories, we, we've we heard how the darkness is here. Let's hear the inspiration that you have for folks having gone through that darkness. So it would be something to where you just basically, uh, how, how did you conquer that? And let's give you some, we've heard how you conquer rather. Let's uh, give some uh, faith-based inspiration for the folks that are out there listening and watching saying, hey, you know, uh, we need to be inspired for the next round. So. Let's inspire some folks. Serena? You know, I mentor people and I'm working with a woman who has my history. And she came to me less than a year ago with only the awareness that she had been molested and raped by her father. And so my inspiration is that we all can be here to walk side by side with others that are on the journey and discovering their truths from a place of non-judgment and compassion. That's what has set me free, you know? Because we, like you said, we're a tribe. We are coming together. This is the miracle. I mean, I know people, I work with people all over the world, in Australia and Finland and, you know, the United States and Portugal and, and Hungary. And we're all the same. Yeah, we were raised in different cultures, but there is this passion and hunger to find the more, the more within ourselves. And I know that we're all led for our perfect person that we all of a sudden connect to. And it's like, oh, look how this person is helping me to awaken. It's beautiful. <sighs> See what the darkness is worth? It's that. It's warmth. It's wisdom. It's love. It's caring. It's that. That was. Do you do you think that it was worth what you experienced to be able to present that sort of information? Brandon, I have to tell you, this one woman that I'm working. Well, all of them. It's so. It's profound. 
I don't know any other word. I hold this space with this woman and she cries and she says, it's so hard. Oh my God. And I go, yes, it is, sweetie, but I'm here. I'm here. I'm living proof you can do it. I promise you can do it. And so I'm honored to walk with these people and love them from a place of Wow, <laughs> I just can't, I can't even put it into words. That's beautiful. Wally, you're an inspiring, inspiring fella. So let's, let's hear some inspiring words to carry our passions through till the next time we get to talk to you, buddy. My inspiring words are that you guys are my reality. I have no one around me to share what we are sharing uh, this evening. And this has been just really great for me. The darkness that I came from has to do with religion. And, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid and I drank it heartily for, for 30 years to where I was teaching Sunday school, preaching when, when the pastor wasn't there and held about every position in the church and you're brainwashed into that is, you know, reality and all the other religions out there are just that a religion, but Christianity is reality. Hogwash that, that I guess I would go back to reading Eric von Danigan's book. I realized by studying, and I, I guess I have a pretty keen mind because I've always been able to remember what I've been taught. A lot of the people, and I hate to, to, to classify people, but uh, we, we mentioned blinders. They don't remember what they've been taught, and they continue wanting to be taught. And I no longer wanted to be taught. I wanted to know truth for myself. And so I picked up the Bible and went from end to end and it no longer had answers for me so that was my darkness i have found light outside the gates and i have no desire to go back to the darkness no desire at all and what what serena says part of that resonates with me that it's not my job to bring other people you know, from darkness into light. Everybody's on their own spiritual path, and no two of us are on the same stage of that path. But I do want to share what I have found out, and 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 doing these podcasts and and, and being online with 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 people like this. It it it's really. It builds me up. It fills a void in me somehow, some way. I just don't have that here, being in the Bible Belt. Um, <laughs> and and uh, there again, all my friends are back there, and I'm over here. And, and the Sorry. same thing with family. Uh, you know, they go to their Bible studies. They go to church. They they. That's their reality, and they probably think I'm crazy, and and, and that's okay. 
<laughs> if they want to think that they they can. I know I'm not crazy. I know I have found real truth. I know I have found who I am. I know that what I know now is is much deeper, much more real than what I thought I knew back then. And and I'm just not going to allow that darkness to overtake me. I am going to continue on this path. I haven't seen the end yet. I'm learning as I go. And I'm as absorbing as I go. And and learning that that we're all connected. Some way, somehow, every one of us is connected. Maybe it's a cosmic uh, cohesion or uh, a collusion, but we're all connected, and and we're all brothers and sisters. We're all on our own paths, and we all have our own challenges. We all have these tests. Darkness might be considered a test that we face here on this planet. This planet is 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 not you know a five star resort. There's a reason we're here, and 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 I think it's to to grow and to learn to love each other and to overcome these challenges and the, these darknesses that that we've all had. I've been diagnosed with bipolar too. I mean, I lost a house because I spent three hundred thousand dollars I didn't have. Now think of that. It did. It went undiagnosed for twenty years, but finally we got a handle on it in in two thousand two. Of course, I cost a, a couple uh, in what's now Truist Bank fi- senior vice presidents their jobs because uh, I, I knew I knew how to get money. <laughs> I, I played the system, but that's all in the past. I I, I don't pay attention to that anymore. If they, people want to think I'm crazy, that's their choice. I know what's right for me. I know how to meditate now. I know I know who I am. And that's the biggest thing that's happened to me is learning who I am. There's no facades anymore. You can live a life just being a a resemblance of who you really are inside. But it's like, Serena, you reach a point some way, somehow, you need to know who you are. And you need to know what truth is. And, And I think we're all experiencing that in one way or another. Maybe it's a cosmic shift. But um, again, you guys are my friends. That's you, you all are who I relate to. There's nobody around here. And I'm talking about a 50 mile circumference of where I live that I can have these kinds of conversations. So uh, I'm a newbie at this, but, but let me tell you, I sense a realism in each of you and I'm honored to uh, be in your presence. I feel the same. Love you, Ollie. Love you Thank so you. Much. Brandon, what was your question uh, specifically about spirituality? Was uh, that, was about- I, inspiration? Yes. Yeah, so just in, in something inspiring for the folks that they can carry with them to say, you know what? Yeah, it's all going to work out. Mm. Mm. Well, in my experience... And this is really like what Wallace in some ways is talking about is being a witness to the truth. 
but it's peace is your authority because the the best advice i ever got before i went out to hollywood was john just be yourself and what i find i try to find the humor in this in all ways is that part of this game that we're in is the drama of god which is trying god trying to figure out what it is in this existence so if i were to look back at my whole life and all of the things that i remember that's another thing memory what you remember what you don't uh how you remember but when i go back into that story i'm not trying to find a new meaning of the story i'm trying to dig deeper below the words and so what i theorize or kind of for myself came up with the understanding is that god is talking to us at all times through each other it's all who answers the door so the voice of the devil could be talking to you and you think it's god but you're answering the door to the devil but if you know what the devil is saying and you know what God says and you know who you are and that God is experiencing itself through you and every other person, then the things that people say, <laughs> this was the thing I realized is that at a certain point, everything that I say about other in somebody else, I'm talking about myself because it's a story. It's my perception, it's my projection, it's my assumption, it's my understanding, it's my belief, but it's not the whole person. It's the part of me that I see in them. That's you, Wallace. That's you, Serena. That's you, Mark. That's you, Brandon. That's Louisa. We're seeing ourselves in each other. We're seeing the best of ourselves in each other or the worst of ourselves in each other at all times. And we're judging it through form and appearance judgment, attachment, resistance. It's a challenge every day because there's still so much more that we're trying to learn the depths of ourselves. That's the space. That's real, real space is, is the space within the spaces within that we have yet to discover. There's outer space and then there's inner space and the two, even though it might be an inverse relationship there, they are actually mirrors to each other that the perception that we have on the outside is the one that we have on the inside too. It's calling to us. And if you look at art, this is the best way of the physical representation of this is Leonardo, Michelangelo, Beethoven, Mozart, they're all dead, but their work plays on in the music of the mind and the divine inspiration that came from those works is timeless because it's eternal it's a manifestation of the divine that is so real and authentic in that expression that it's the original that everyone goes to copy so what i what i believe that we're all in the sense trying to get closer to is get closer to the understanding of what God is in human form in 
not a God of self-importance, but a God that sees itself in every single one of us at the same time, from the beggar to the thief to the adulterer to all the people that Christ spent his time with. He didn't go to authority to hang out and get the kicks and the perks. He spent the time with all of the children who from this broken world had been told they were nothing and that their lives amounted to nothing. But then if I look at my own life, well, then I'm condemning myself because I was those people in that time and space. I was them where they are now. And they're coming back to me and I'm being reminded and I'm remembering who I really am is who they are and who they are is me. I don't know how else to say it, but that's that's kind of the way I, in the moments that I drop out of my mind, I realize I'm perceiving the beauty of God in everything, everywhere, all at the same time. And it's the miraculous mystery of it all that makes it divine. Because it's self, it's like you want to give the eternal waters and tell everybody, here's where the water and the land and, and the and the food is, right? But they can't see it. They're blind to see it. So on a metaphorical sense, in the biblical sense, too, the truth is spoken by the embodiment of the divine within you as the vessel. And show that to someone is not to command it out of them. Because if you and again, I understand that these are documents, but the metaphors and the wisdom in them is that his own disciples did not recognize him because their minds had changed. They were in a different state of mind. They couldn't see who he was. And also, they could not see that when he washed their feet, he was doing so because he was saying, I am no different than you. I am no different than you. You're no different than me. It's only in your mind that it is an illusion of time that I am somehow this different man from you. Teacher, master, what is that? It's the, the mastery of the self. The embodiment of the self is all who are toiling in the darkness and twisting through it. And the enlightenment part of it is not in knowledge because the world is infinitely full of knowledge, but it's the world of the spirit of the heart that goes beyond all knowledge that is universal, where the divine is perceiving that knowledge in its own perception, its own way, but it is a metaphor of all things. That is where I'm starting to come to realize that we are the embodiment of the child of the creator of heaven and earth. And our job here is to be a witness to that for our own mind and our own self. But then what does that really mean when we're talking about everybody else? It's not just for self. That's greed. That's selfish. That's like holding. That's what they do today in the corporate world. We're all the smart, intelligent people who are microdosing every day, by the way to get a leg up on the creative, the creativity of their competition can use the higher dimensions of their brain. They have sucked all of that out into the billionaire class, but they're not any smarter than you and I. 
They're really not. They're not any more intelligent. They're just as unconscious as anybody. And that when people begin to realize that we're the worthy, the true worthy sons and daughters of the living creator and begin to live like that, peace will be the greatest authority we bring because it'll be refuge from all the bullshit. And well, it, I, it will, yeah, anyway, I, that's all I wanted to say. It's beautiful, John. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, Bill Hicks quotes ever. It's what's going to happen to the arms industry when they realize that we're all one. And it's this idea of this unity consciousness. It's just this idea that we're all in this together. And that is absolutely beautiful. Now, to some you said as well, Beethoven's all right, I guess, but it's got nothing on Barbie girl. I'm pretty sure that's going to live <laughs> on for an infinity for being part of the divine because nothing is separate yes. than the divine, right? Still is. It's got Still a great is. sense of humor. 100%. 100%. It's got to. Louisa, something inspiring, darling. Oh, um, that inspires me. That that inspires you, and that you want to let others to know how it's had inspired themselves. Oh man, I mean, I'm really weird in the things that inspire me. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Um, I mean, my favorite thing lately is Star Trek. That's always been my, um, you know, when I'm having an anxiety attack, I put on Star Trek. And the, the, the technology of the future, the vision of humanity, when we've transcended war, um, you know, it puts me in that state of mind and makes me have hope. And I literally shed a tear anytime they uh, travel in a portal because it's like my favorite thing ever. And that's the only it's only in that show that I can get I can get that, you know, that feeling that's truly where my soul dwells. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, that's one of my inspiring, uh, yeah, just inspiring pastimes, media, whatever. Well, you and I are seven months apart in age. And so we were raised with this idea of these movies and this particular time frame, And so we have the, we, you and I share so many things. We are so in common. It's insane. And so the way that you look at this is absolutely brilliant because I see that your intuition is drawing you to, you know, your uh, contact inspired design on this thing. You know, the fact that it rotates, the fact that there's a lot of scale up that you're doing. And even admittedly, this is one of the earlier versions. And so who knows where this can go? I'm pretty sure you're so drawn to this because you're going to be the ones zapping people through portals. And then I'm going to need one here because it's going to be like the teleportation device. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I'm, I'm holding on for this. I get it. Mark, inspire us, baby. Sorry, I was on mute there. I was not in a good place when I started on this journey in 2016. I describe it in my book, It End Upside Down Living. It was a pretty vulnerable thing for me to talk about it, but it doesn't compare to what you went through, Serena, at all. But for me, it was a dark night of the soul. I mean, it was, I felt completely lost. There was no sense of purpose. Things in my life were not going the way that I wanted professionally, personally. And it felt like my life was over in many ways. That was the sensation of like, there's there's nothing left for me here. What am I doing? I felt like a zombie. And I feel like if I could come out of that state into a, sta- into a place of wanting to make contributions to the world, then anyone can. And Serena, your story, everyone here has a story that has been inspirational that people can come from 
very dark places and and get to a, a positive place. But I do want to say that the journey is nonlinear. It's been nonlinear for me, and I think that's that's part of the awakening path. It's like there are oscillations, ups and downs that happen. So if let's say someone listening has maybe overcome a dark night of the soul, but then has found him or herself in a dark place, that's totally natural. And what I find is that the dark, the dark points now are less severe and shorter in duration, but they still come up. And I'm I'm better able to identify what's happening as it's happening. Whereas previously I was just totally unaware. I didn't have the awareness to look at my life from a third party position almost that I do now. And like you said, Serena, I think a really important part of this is to feel the emotions as they come up, not to resist them. Like Dr. David Hawkins, who I consider to be one of my spiritual teachers, even though I never met him, he said, if you have a, a feeling, it's because you don't feel enough of it to some degree. Like the emotion can run out if you allow it to go and then it runs out. So that's been a profound teaching for me. Uh, there's so many other things I want to respond to that people said, but I know we're running short we're on not, time. So I, we're not, I will leave if you, uh, actually, if there's some, I would like for you, if you've got some, okay. ins- if you're inspired to ask, I would like for you to, too, yeah, these, this is another part of my inspiration. I will say that I I've been, where do I start? Um, I'll talk about the inspiration I've had in my, my own journey of, of creating things. Cause I never plan on writing books or speaking publicly. Like if you knew me before, none of you knew me before I started on this, I was so much on the career track, not knowing where it was going to go. It was a treadmill, but I didn't plan on doing this sort of thing, but there's a sense of fulfillment that has come in my creative process. I feel it most when I'm writing books, when I'm researching, when I'm doing conversations like this or interviews, there's something different that overcomes me. And I mentioned that because I think we all have that to some degree, Serena, you called it authenticity and it, it manifests differently for all of us probably. So I think part of the inspiration is finding what that is, that sense of passion. It's not really describable. I couldn't write it in words, but I know it now I can identify it when I feel it. And knowing that exists, that's a very inspirational thing because I do think we all have it no matter what we've gone through. And then two other things I want to mention, these are, wrinkles in just my view of reality and things that I'm struggling with. So it's kind of strange to end on this point because it probably raises more questions than answers. Um, but I, 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 I've experienced darkness in my own life and I've researched a lot of darkness that's way darker than what I've experienced. And I think about spiritual principles that we're all part of something that seems to be unconditionally loving. I still struggle with the fact that so much darkness exists. To me, it feels masochistic that we could come into a body and have to experience this stuff. And yet it's all for learning. And that's still my operating hypothesis is that it's all evolutionary, but from where I sit, it's very hard to reconcile that. And I always wonder, is there, is is the evolutionary narrative in some ways hijacked to make us rationalize things that we should not rationalize and things that we should not be accepting of because there, I, I think that narrative of we're all evolving can be weaponized to say, oh, well, that person's suffering and that's just their karma that they're going through and they planned it before birth. And then you become passive. And I worry about that because there are a lot of good people who end up in a passive position. And I do think darkness, my sense of it is that it's an adversarial, there's an adversarial force that's manifesting in different ways and it has to 
it has to be resisted in some way. Otherwise, it it does its thing. And maybe it's just it's resisted through shining a light on it. Maybe it's through our own transcendence of darkness. It probably happens in many ways, but it's an adversarial force. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say is on the notion of non-duality and duality. John, you mentioned that earlier because this has been a big, I've been going so back and forth in this in my journey is I was completely dualistic because I, I was a materialist and there's no meaning to life. And then I went all the way to non-duality, which I think is the ultimate rea reality. But the danger in that is that you start to ignore duality and say, oh, well, Mark, why are you writing about evil now? I've had people say this to me. There is no evil. And I agree about that to some degree, um, but I, I disagree at the level of duality. There is dark and light. There There is Mark and John and Serena. We are separate. We're separate and we're not separate together. And neither end can be ignored. Somehow, paradoxically, they coexist. At least that's the best I can come up with right now. So I just wanted to raise that because my, my mind currently is in this space of trying to reconcile all of these things and seeing the different perspectives emerge all over the place and seeing where I agree and disagree with people and, and trying to make sense of it. But Mark, there is duality. There is evil. That is the reality of this physical planet we live on. But when you get to a place and you shift so completely, you're not in resistance to it. Mm. You, you talk about, you know, fighting the darkness and stuff. It's not from going and resisting the darkness because that's energy and it feeds it. It's from coming back into your empowered state of being. You know it, you don't bullshit about it, but you're allowing your truth to shine. And that's how this darkness is going to shift. It's already shifting on this planet in phenomenal ways. But, you know, it's like you said, it's your journey. And that's a perfection. It's like your pain is the worst pain. And when people say to me, oh, well, I didn't have it like you, Serena. And I go, well, but you've had the worst pain you've ever had. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know. And so the fact that you've come out of it is is for cause for celebration, you know, because a lot of people don't. So your journey is so perfect, but it's not about pretending it doesn't exist there is definite evil on this planet you know Mark, absolutely i i see the interpretation of things as evil i just want to intuit what you what you said here and i don't disagree that that perception is valid now the way that we're told to look at this is from many different ways. One, that it's an actual inevitability here and we can't do anything about it. The other would be that it's unity consciousness and Hitler went to heaven again, back to that. Um, uh, there is no hell and so therefore everything's a chosen experience. The reconciliation part for me comes in in the same way that we when we talk about the contact phenomena, right? Like Serena, what you feel happened for you, which you see it from that perspective, which my darkness in my past I feel the same way for, is it's a chosen experience. And this thing that, you know, Mark, we've we talked about my skepticism with this whole damn phenomenon that, you know, I'd straddle the fence between, but I see all of it. I can feel both perspectives. I, that's part of one of my gifts here as well, is I, I get I get to see this. Part of the reconciliation challenge here for me was, is that people would choose this. What we view as people here, souls, would choose to go through these things. Serena has embraced this. She has said flat out that she chose this so that she could get all of it out in one lifetime. And I'll be damned, darling, you got, you did it, you know, 
You had to have. And so it's this idea. But then again, I intellectually will look back at this and say that I can bi-locate a little bit. I can look at it from non-duality, but absolute duality. I can see the ebbs and flows, the extremes and experience we have here from a zero mark, just to David Dawkins' uh, uh, scale, you know, the uh, contraction and expansion, right? You could see that, but if you turn it sideways, that expansion is this way and contraction is that way, and you're at a zero point, all those polar energies, you know, are just pings of energies, but there's an X, Y axis to our awareness as well. It gives our vision of this place and the way that I see it gives us an additional depth perspective. So we're no longer linear moving on a zero point this way between those two options. But now we have this a, a complete awareness that, oh my God, everything's awesome. And then this feeling of disconnectedness, not perhaps necessarily that we're disconnected, but we get the feeling of it and the depth of that. And then you can ping this between any of those things, right? You feel super enlightened, but very disconnected or super enlightened and very high up, super contracted, same thing, right? And then there's degrees on this as we're visually, again, propelling through this sort of tunnel. It's with the new vision that we get, we offer ourselves an X, Y and a Z axis now, in addition to the X, Y that we're moving on. And so this again is sort of this balancing act. And again, from the highest perspectives I can give myself in the highest of meditations, I'm like, is this a prison planet? Is it all bullshit? Is it just an archon soul trap? Have we been told these things by beautiful, amazing, convincing entities such as Serena? And she's sent here to throw us all off the path and that there's actually a warrior cause for us to be um, taking up here because it's almost like a spiritual Bolshevik revolution, sort of like Q in the way that everyone's told, oh, it's all going to work out. We've got it handled for you. And just to sit back and then you do nothing because you have faith in this thing that then shows up just to perpetuate more. And then you're born out of another body and you may perhaps come back here and you're like, hang on, the same shit's still going on. I thought we were Bolshevik revolution. Oh, that wasn't a thing. Q, well, that no. And so you kind of get these faith in these things. Now, mm -hmm. I also see this as a very expanded part that we're in. And I feel that where we are even having the damn conversation, there's been a lot of folks that have come before us that have tried to have these things, but you have to feel between what's occurred here this evening, between what you, what we all engage on on a daily basis. I mean, I, I sort of can take it for granted sometimes that these are exceptional perspectives that we're willing to entertain here and all sit together. That alone shows me closer to what we're talking about here, that it's an expansion, that it's a deliberate thing, and that the darkness needs to be here to have a light shown on it. And again, sort of this time period, and there's a lot of lenses I view this bitch through, that you know the <laughs> astrology and the um, Aquarius changeover. And so there's a lot of different factors that play in to my in intuition to speak here, but that's sort of where I am at with it. But I completely see your point. I see all points here. And that's, again, my gift and my curse at the same time, because I don't have an answer for you other than you're all right. You're absolutely correct. John, the fears that you see, they're out there. And the way that you speak against them is helpful. You're absolutely correct. Uh, Mark, you're, the reconciliation on this is going to be an intellectual challenge for you because you have such a strong pull, but you have such a strong foot in one world. You know, you're the kite and the string at the same time. This is what I say about my wife. She's the string. I'm the kite. I'm the one up here just going, oh, she's like, yes, honey, I got you. You're both at the same time. So you've got this incredible balancing act that you do. You exist in and out of duality at the same time. It's all of these beautiful representations of ourselves here is how I choose to see it because it definitely colors my experience. And if you really want to get to the crux of it, life is meaningless. It has only the meaning that you give it. 
And I will say that the tribe that we have here and the conversations we're having, that we're given a hell of a meaning and purpose. And we're all doing it with heart, not fear and all out of love. And I'm just so grateful to know each and every one of you. Ditto. 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 Yeah, ditto. Well, I, I think we're going to wrap it on this one, guys. It's just been incredible. I know everyone's going to integrate and thank just you. full of love. So thank you again. All the ways to find each and every one of you beautiful souls are going to be located down in the show notes. Thank you again for your time, guys. This is truly special. Bye, you guys. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you all. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.